Welcome to the second live on-air episode of Dinner with Bands, a joint production between KCSU and the Music District in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is a, an artist collaborative that lets listeners into the minds of their local musicians as they share a meal and discuss issues and ideas in today's society and how they pertain to the music industry and their careers. Today's episode is hosted by me, Jake Alietti. Uh, you also may know me from hosting the podcast, Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Um, today we have uh, Eric Romero of uh, Autumn Burn. How are you, Eric? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Uh, as we discuss masculinities in music. So, Eric, would you mind telling us about yourself and kind of where you're from and kind of how did you got started? Oh, man, I'm the unicorn. I grew up in Fort Collins, actually. Um, I grew up in Fort Collins, fell in love with music, and I've been playing it ever since. So I uh, grew up here, uh, moved all around. Um, I've actually lived in many, many states, and I always come back to this place. It's uh, just kind of a magical land that I can't seem to get away <laughs> from. But uh, we have a really, really amazing, rich music scene. I've even uh, spread my wings as far as Austin, and I think ours rivals Austin's music scene. I know that uh, all of our Texas friends will probably disagree with me, but that's totally okay i think uh both have an amazing music scene uh it's just kind of nice to see all the competitive nature of everybody in fort collins because how many venues do we have up here not many yeah <laughs> so uh it's kind of nice it makes uh, everybody the cream of the crop it makes them really amazing because they're mostly playing in the garage right oh, for sure awesome <laughs> thank you yeah for uh, sure do you mind sharing your journey through music like how has that been Oh man, it's it's amazing. Um, I, I've been very, very lucky and extremely blessed with uh, very open people that have been willing to take me under their wing and show me certain things. Um, I really don't have much formal training in music um, until later in life. Uh, I started out just being really interested in music and as a little kid my parents took me to a Huey Lewis in the News concert and um, oh, for the previous year I had been talking to uh, my parents just about uh, wanting to play piano. And uh, apparently they bought me one for Christmas and didn't tell me. And then as soon as I got the guitar pick from the Huey Lewis and the News guitar player, it was done. I was like, man, I'm playing guitar. And my parents were like, no, you're not. Um, so <laughs> uh, they returned the piano without telling me and then just made it so I uh, had to wait. And then I finally mowed enough yards to buy myself a guitar amp at seven years old. And I... Uh, convinced some friends to loan me an electric guitar and finally they got me a guitar for Christmas. So I uh, just kept playing and playing and learning chords and then uh, then I discovered uh, some heavier, more edgy, interesting music and uh, even some stuff that was blues and had some more feeling and uh, gosh, I went all over the board and learned everything and anything I could get my hands on and uh, that turned into uh, music almost being like kind of a double-edged sword because I spent more time doing music than pretty much any anything else, which when I was younger was probably good because it kept me out of doing some probably pretty negative things, but it also made uh, made me more focused on music than anything else. So, um, but I have to say, uh, music has always been one of those things that it's the ultimate language. Everybody speaks it. Uh, most people, I guess you could say, um, and most people at least can relate to it. So yeah, awesome. Thank you for so much for sharing. Sure. Uh, so we'll take a break in a little bit. Um, so this next song will be Purge by Autumn Bird.
Also, during this episode, we'd like to thank the people that provided the food, um, which was uh, Simply Thai in Fort Collins. Thank you so much for providing this delicious, wonderful food. Delicious. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I could smell it when I came in the room. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's why we have Eric. You just, just was like, food? All right. I guess I can interview. Um, so... What was kind of what was your intention on kind of making that song? Like, what was the process of of the making that song, the purge, and what's oh, the significance man. of that? Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this. That song's actually about me. Um, I was kind of disappointed in myself, and I was disappointed in the way that I was uh, treating myself, but also treating others. And I decided to make a song about uh, somebody that uses others, and it sounds like it's about other people, but it's actually about me. It's kind of a note to myself to remember to never be like that. Awesome. That's uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, within that, like, do you think there's any aspects of, I guess, masculinities that kind of come up with like harming yourself or harming others? Is have you ever kind of thought about that when writing the song? Or? Absolutely. I mean, some of the main lyric in that is uh, for attention to run, for more you'll die inside. There are so many that will end up cast aside. I mean, it's it's literally the process of. Uh, you know, alienating people and, and getting your way with them. And that's not the way to treat others. Um, and, and I think that's a common thing <laughs> in masculinity. Um, unfortunately that, uh, using power to get what you want. And that's, uh, not something that, that I see as something that I, I guess I want to endorse for, uh, for that word, especially for masculinity. Right. I, I don't want to stand behind that and use that as the sword of that word. Um, I think it can stand for so many more things. And I think, um, I think lots of males in general, and, you know, I talk to a lot of different people, whether it's through music, whether it's through what I do for work. Um, but I talk to a lot of males that, that say, you know, it's, it's more okay for me to just, say what I need and do what I want as opposed to uh, say, hey, I feel this way and uh, hey, uh, what you did made me feel this way. So I think it's important to, to for me, at least personally, to recognize that uh, um, understanding and empathy are some of my biggest uh, things that I hopefully one day I'll, <laughs> I wouldn't say master, but uh, hopefully one day I'll be able to be happy with where I'm at in that. And I, I think that's maybe every musician's quest, whether they'll admit it or not. Um, but I, I feel that uh, as we move towards uh, doing more with our lives and meeting more people, uh, you grow from all those experiences, whether they were negative or not. Um, and I think the negative negative ones actually stick with you the most, and those are the ones you learn from the most. 
Uh, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing on that. Um, so with that, you kind of talked about um, a little bit of like kind of like vulnerability and how men have a kind of a hard time with that. And that's a challenge for men. Mm -hmm. um, would you say being a musician and doing music, is this a kind of a source of healing for you? Absolutely. Um, I think it's it's one of the hardest things I've ever done because putting your wearing your heart on your sleeve is easier said than done. And I, I think that it's it's really difficult to release that vulnerability and and to uh especially from from somebody you know i grew up with um some folks that that are i, I wouldn't call them overboard but uh they they like to have a lot of control in their lives and one of the things that i have to remind myself as for me personally is i like to kind of let that go and um, i like to kind of see where people are at i'm a very observant person um i i'm very empathetic or i try to be and mm -hmm. uh part of that through music absolutely it's healing um it's healing and it's uh i don't know this crazy journey we call life it's a roller coaster i'll tell you yeah i feel that <laughs> um so you mentioned a little bit about your journey through music um what's the relationship like with your band oh it's awesome um i've had a lot of different iterations of autumn burn and one of the coolest portions that i've ever been able to call myself a part of is uh, autumn burn and it's actually the the people i play with today um which is amazing and uh i to give those guys an amazing shout out i have a fantastic bass player named micah shoemaker that uh he's just a very empathetic and and very uh intellectual soul that uh likes to give me new books to read and hopefully hoping that i'll expand my mind i know he's open hoping that i'll always go further on that um and then josh you know josh josh from the music district uh josh rivera such a great fantastic musician um and he's just a super mellow dude and a really good guy and then uh, of course my drummer i've been playing with him for uh, about a decade uh, which is kind of crazy to think about, but um, he's just one of those people that supported me through everything in life. Um, I, I would consider my band family, and that's hard to find a lot of other uh, musicians that feel that way about their band. So that's uh, I'm very blessed, extremely blessed. That's amazing. Um, what did where did the band name come from? Like, where how did you <laughs> kind of come about this? So years and years ago. And I've actually played with our bass player, Micus, for a really long time. And he, uh, he and I came up with this idea um, even before I played with the current drummer. And this is years and years ago. I mean, like, long time ago. And he, he said, you know, I don't like our current name because <laughs> we, <laughs> we had a terrible name. And, what was uh, the name? Uh, it was uh, Shattered Faith. And we actually <laughs> we were already planning on changing it. And then uh, I got a, a letter from a lawyer saying, hey, you need to change this name. There's a band with this name. And then we were like, okay, we need to change this like right now. Uh, so the next show, he came up with this idea. Like, why don't we, why don't we let the audience decide? Like, let's come up with we were a three piece at the point. So we let the drummer come up with three names. I came up with three names and he came up with three names. And, um, it came down to two names left to rust <laughs> and autumn burn. And I'm really glad that it ended up being autumn burn. I would hate to be left to rust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that that's also your band. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's your favorite venue to perform at? Ooh. Um, Gosh, I just did a little VIP tour of the uh, uh, Washingtons, the new Washingtons the other night, and that's really cool. We haven't played there, but I'm hoping, Greta, if you're listening to this, I would love to get in there and play that place. Um, but uh, 
we actually we love playing uh, down in Denver quite a bit. Uh, we started playing in Fort Collins quite a bit more because we were talking about it and we missed playing at home. Um, but we frequent all the soda jerk venues down in Denver, uh, Summit Music Hall, Marquee Theater. We've played the Gothic a whole bunch of times. Nice. So we, we love playing down there, but there's something really special about Fort Collins venues. And it is hard to get into these Fort Collins venues. And we were kind of like, you know, we don't have to drive an hour each way. <laughs> That's true. So we're, uh, we're coming back home and playing a lot more gigs. Uh, we played Hody's two Fridays, three Fridays ago nice. with Lola Black and uh, Locals Kind Dub. Um, we wanted to do a mixed genre f show, which was a lot of fun. So we had a DJ open the show. Kind Dub is pretty hip hop. Super great group. Uh, friends of ours. And then uh, we played and then Lola Black played and that was a blast. Super fun. Awesome. Um, so what were some of your favorite artists growing up as a music musician? Where did you kind of get inspired to Ooh, do music? Gosh, you know, we were talking about some of your history with your family. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my parents had all these like Clapton and Cream records. And I was like checking that out. I was like, man, these guys really know how to play guitar. Yeah. Like none of my cording that sounds terrible and makes my <laughs> fingers bleed. It sounds awful. Um, and uh, as I went further, I remember a neighbor uh, saw me out mowing yards. They're like, what are you listening to? And I was like, Clapton. And they're like, check this out. And they handed me two CDs. They handed me, uh, it was Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, and Eric Johnson. Steve the, Vai. the G3 concert, which blew my mind open. And then they handed me uh, Texas Flood by Steve Ray Vaughan. Hey. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, at that point forward, everything I thought of music before that completely changed. And I was like, the guitar is literally can be used as a vocal instrument it's it's of its own um and i i didn't believe that before that time so it was kind of cool to see that transition happen um and then i realized that there were people like my guitarist josh that are way better than i am uh <laughs> so i decided to sing and then that made it all better <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> um so what was your write, writing process like what how does that kind of come about you know, I always write the music first. Um, there's just something for me about chunky guitar riffs or like beautiful little crystally tones that I'll put together. And then, um, you know, just whatever's ailing me or feels great at that moment in my life, I kind of just start putting some ideas of how the music should sound. And then uh, I verse lyrics around it. Um, and then my drummer hates this, but I, I go on the computer and map his drums out the way I want them to be played. <laughs> <laughs> and then he literally looks at me and he goes, can you not do that? And I'm like, but you won't play it the way I want you to play it. And he's like, that's the point of having a drummer. And we, <laughs> we have that fun little banter back and forth. So it's always uh, a fun little, uh, I, I guess you could say friendly, uh, friendly fire back and forth on that one. But uh, I usually create some demos that are m mostly finished. And, uh, you know, now, now having this group the way it is the last couple of years, these guys are so talented that they want to drop in before I finish this stuff, which is really amazing. And it takes a lot of work off my shoulders, actually. Gotcha. Um, so do you think about the impact that your music and lyrics has on your listeners when you're writing these songs? You know, it's funny. You picked the one song off of the previous album that was probably the most positive song on the album, talking about <laughs> Betterment. Uh, the last album is called Ashes of a Tormented Soul, which kind of says to, to anybody that listened to it where my mind was at, you know, eight years ago. Um, so as, as I've progressed and as I've learned and as I've had negative things impact my life that I chose to flip it around and use it for fuel, um, it really changed my perspective and I was really capable of 
changing how I write. And actually, it's kind of funny because the newer record is actually even more aggressive than this record. Um, definitely heavier tones, more changes. Uh, we do some stuff that's like in and out of seven, eight and <laughs> some songs in five, four and some odd stuff that <laughs> you, you normally don't hear bands that are like, you know, can be played on the radio, do that kind of stuff unless you're tool. But um, they, uh, you know, as we progressed on this last album, one of the things that I realized is that I'm not in the place where I was eight years ago. So releasing the album last year, the lyrics were completely different. It was all about self-empowerment, betterment, trying to uh, band together. I mean, the title of the album, the last album was Ashes for a Tormented Soul, and this last album was Reach Up to the Stars. So that should put everything in perspective <laughs> right there. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really therapy in itself to be able to release something like that to the world um and be known for that um i, I had somebody come into I, I at the brewery where i work uh last week and they were like hey man you play in that band autumn burn and i was like yeah and they were like i just want to let you know this song and added this what you say actually really means a lot to me and it's actually made me a lot more positive and i was like man like talk about fuel for music <laughs> i mean like i was able to leave work that day and i was just like that just stuck in my brain all day i, I must have had the biggest smile on my face like for the whole afternoon for, that's awesome. for sure and um so within that because you kind of mentioned um a little bit of therapy and stuff is there any other resources maybe you as like as a person or a man within the music industry do you think there's like resources people should be using absolutely um, for healing and kind of helping themselves oh man uh there's a song on the uh album actually about i was recording the album down in denver and um this guy, uh, me and Micus, Micus and I, there we go. Micus and I grew up with this guy named Doug Shear. Uh, great dude, super funny guy. And uh, I was actually recording vocals down in Denver. And um, before I got down there, I drove all the way down there. I was sitting in my car. I was kind of freaking out about it. I had sweaty palms. I was like, man, I got to get these lyrics right. I had been working on them for almost a year. And uh, I got a phone call that Doug, I had been one of the last people to talk to him on Facebook that he shot himself in the face. And so I drove my car around. I was just freaking out. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And we paid so much money on this vocal recording session. And uh, the producer was calling me. He's like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, I just need a half an hour. And he's like, take as much time as you need. But I ended up going to the grocery store, grabbing his favorite beer. I drove back to the studio and went up to the studio on the third floor. And I was like, I really want to do what this guy would have wanted. And for me, therapy today needs to be that I want to completely erase all the vocals for the song that I've worked so hard on for the last couple months. And I want to re-record them live right now with what I feel. And uh, that ended up being a song called Sheer Love um, on the album. But it's, it's just talking about the fact that, you know, it's never, ever too late to ask for help. And it is never, ever too late or no nobody is ever going to frown on you for ever reaching out and asking somebody to help you, whether it's even just chatting in a informal way, or if you need literally like somebody to take you somewhere to get the help that you need. And I think that that's super hard for people in general to, to grasp that concept, but it's also harder for people that, you know, I, uh, for whatever reason, it's the masculinity thing. It, it just right. kind of falls under that. And, it, and, and maybe it goes with the way, you know, I was one of those people that it was ingrained like, hey, stop crying. Stop crying. That doesn't do any do you any good. But that's not true. And uh, I think that a lot of people force those emotions to the side and it, it, it makes them jaded to a point. And it also 
doesn't allow them to feel properly and then they're dealing with emotions in an improper way and it's causing negativity in their lives. Yeah. Um, are there ways that you've kind of helped yourself try to be more vulnerable or absolutely kind of get to a better place of like, this is how I'm feeling. I want you to really listen. I, I have actually gone to talk to people in the past and I think that that's super positive to, to recognize that and know, um, that I needed to do that. And, um, I think that everybody would be better off in this world if they shared some sort of gosh, vulnerability about where they're at, especially about the deep, deep, dark depths of their mind. And if they actually had the, the guts to go and do that, I know that everybody would feel better right afterward. Um, and, and, and it would be able to allow them to positively work through emotions and feelings, um, in a, in a, I guess, constructive manner as opposed to a destructive manner. Right. And so then I think about like, for me, I, I go to counseling and here at CSU, it's mm -hmm. pretty accessible mm -hmm. as a CSU student. And so I think about also how does like accessibility work for people that maybe don't have the privilege of go going to college and. Um, so I think about like maybe like even mu male musicians and they're really in like love their their craft, but mm -hmm. they just need help, but they don't know how to get it or they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've totally been throwing this idea for a really long time. I've wanted to host like a social. I don't even care if I have to do it at my house, um, but I've, I've totally wanted to host a social at the brewery for uh, musicians, whether it's male, female, it doesn't matter. Just get to know each other and just talk about like issues in life what's going on and how can we help you band together and fix that you know and mm -hmm. um and you know I, I feel like half the battle is just even for me personally i remember the first time i actually went to a counselor and i was like hey i'm doing this and he's like how do you feel about that <laughs> and i was like terrible <laughs> and he was like well tell me more um and it was just one of those experiences where i was like wow it just felt good to get that out and actually admit it to somebody and actually, it was really admitting it to myself. And, and that was right. the thing that I didn't understand. And it took me years to finally be open enough to uh, actually come to the realization that everybody needs a counselor in, in one way, shape, or form. It could be a friend. It could be, uh, gosh, it could be somebody on <laughs> Facebook Messenger. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> but everybody needs that affirmation. And everybody needs that shoulder every now and then. And I think that's super positive and important. For sure. And I think about how you kind of mentioned um, dis dis like destructive kind of, um, I guess, coping mechanisms or way of, way, ways of behavior. And I mm -hmm. think about even though in the rock and roll industry in particular, it's like you even can see it on stage. Oh, like, yeah. I remember like watching a documentary and it was Pete Townsend smashing a <laughs> guitar and then lighting on fire. And that was like, he's a crazy one. <laughs> yeah. And so that was like the pinnacle moment of thinking about how music can either show like these acts, like acts of I mean, kind of violence and destruction, mm -hmm. but maybe in that way it was almost health healthy for him yeah. um, to do that. Have you ever, I guess, experienced that on your level? Absolutely. Of performance. And, and I'd have to say I always related to those musicians because growing up I was, told to not really you know show as much of that or or hey do your schoolwork and we don't want to hear how you feel at this exact moment and and that was hard for me especially being a musician especially being more in tune to my emotional nature and uh that's we as people we're, we're very we're creatures of habit we really are and uh, i always like to think of it as these destructive patterns that uh, they're like wagon wheel ruts 
and you get in them and you stay in them. And then when you finally deviate and you get out, it's very hard to not like slip back into that. And I, I mean, like I have tons of people that I've met over the years that they say, you know, they say the same thing for drug addiction and things like that. And, uh, even for abuse and, and all of that. Um, and being a creature of habit, you have to make those new wagon wheel ruts in a different direction. And, uh, you know, it's a cyclical process. If you keep sitting in those wheel ruts, it just goes around in a circle and you don't travel anywhere new. So, um, being able to finally think of that and try to deviate from that. And part of it was playing really aggressive music. I mean, I, I used to play, uh, autumn burn sounds really, really light in comparison to some of the stuff I used to play, to be honest. And I still love a lot of that stuff. Um, I still dabble in it, but it's, for me, it's, uh, I want things that are accessible and I, I, I want, I want people to hear some of the messages that I've said because uh, nowadays the messages are really positive. And uh, especially in that style of music, I mean, there are a handful of artists that I see that really have some positivity to them that, that aren't necessarily, um, you know, religious musics, um, religious works. Um, so for the folks that like listening to some hard and heavy stuff, there isn't really a lot of positivity to grasp onto. <laughs> right. And so do you think about uh, the positivity aspect having to kind of do with a little bit of like notions of masculinities and Absolutely. showing like pain and suffering? Mm -hmm. I do. And I, I mean, that's, this is the biggest debate, you know, like right. <laughs> it, it, it really is. I mean, because you could, you could ask five different people how that relates to them. And I, I'm sure every single one of those answers would be so polar. I mean, not polar opposite, but they'd be very different, mm -hmm. very different. Let me ask you something. So yeah, for sure. as far as uh, your inclination towards the, you know, any music that you gravitate to, what is, what is what pulls you in? What is the first thing that you notice or relate to? Um, in the context of just music in general? Sure. Or, yeah. Um, I think a lot about um, just how self-expression is shown through music. And I think it's this way of like showing vulnerability and healing at the same time. And sometimes it's even destructive the way it's like portrayed. Like I think about listening to an Eminem album, like he's showing his experiences as maybe this white poor kid mm -hmm. and how kind of he grew up in the streets. But at the same time, he's using like homophobic slurs and mm -hmm. a lot of misogyny. And so it's like, eh, I don't know if I can listen to that yeah. anymore for me, particularly. Um, but I think a lot about like, cause rock and roll is probably my favorite genre. I think about how even that the de definition of rock and roll is sex music. Mm -hmm. And so how does this kind of show up in different ways of thinking about like drugs? Um, like I think about like Eric Clapton's cocaine, one, oh, of, my, yeah. one of my favorite songs, it's a Great song. but it's like also like just associating women as drugs and mm -hmm. as sex objects. And so it's interesting how that kind of permeates, um, throughout. So I've been listening more as like when I kind of have developed this consciousness of masculinities and social justice, it's a lot about slam poetry mm -hmm. for me, um, particularly this guy named Guante. And he talks a lot about masculinity, uh, white supremacy, and how that kind of permeates within our U.S. society and how you can kind of grow from that and deconstruct those notions. Hmm. Um, and he just lays down some dope lyrics and it's pretty awesome. And he's just super um just really knows what he's talking about and it's just cool to kind of have that platform it's a small platform um but it's it's a cool one to kind of listen to um within it, just music in general um 
I guess I'm so <laughs> I pay attention to the stuff that I was never listening to while I was actually born. Like it was mm-hmm. all my dad's stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the Who, Clapton, Led Zeppelin, like all these like bigger like these like big bands that kind of made what rock and roll is now. Um, in, in my opinion, Deep Purple. Yeah, Deep Purple. Oh yeah, it's um, good stuff. Cream, like Cream, like you rec- mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned. I love Cream. Um, so many, and I think it's cool to kind of even study and critique a little bit of like hyper masculinity mm-hmm. and even how these artists have shown influence in the ways of like them being men. Like, I wonder like if, I wonder how Stevie Nicks would be as popular if, if she were to identify as a dude, you yeah. know? So how, like I think about those are those like different notions of masculinity. What a crazy concept. That's, that's interesting to think about. Cause like, I love Stevie Nicks, yeah. but I'm wondering like, if she were a dude, w- would men gravitate towards that that's as much? So and I feel interesting. like heavy consumers are men. That's what my thinking is. I don't. Have that like just makes me wonder you know? what Corey Taylor would be like as a woman. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Slipknot as a woman. I. I, I would. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and so then even with the last episode of Dinner with Bands, they were talking about how there's like microaggressions of like yeah. women in um the music industry and they're like you're like i think they said like one of them was like you're really good for a woman in like a fronting band and she was like what (laughs) like yeah if i heard that i was standing in there (laughs) i would have probably walked away (laughs) because i was like this is about to get ugly yeah and so i think about how like even like we only gravitate gravitate towards men and men usually run the industry Mm -hmm how does that kind of come out in different ways? Like I think about even Snoop Dogg having some influence within different circles and mm-hmm. what happens if Snoop Dogg turned into Cardi B? Like yeah. <laughs> would people pay attention to Cardi B as much as we do Snoop Dogg, stuff mm-hmm. like that? Um, I think it's pretty courageous too when like women like Kesha come out after dealing with so much abuse and, and, and negative, I mean, gosh, that could have tanked her career, what happened. Mm-hmm. And she didn't let it, which is really cool. And I, I, I admire people like that because I, I, that must have taken like, an enormous amount of courage to, right. to move past that and even be so open about it. Like, I feel like sometimes I wear my heart on my sleeve and I listen to one of her newer songs and I was like, wow. I mean, <laughs> right? like, holy cow, but good yeah. for her, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's just really amazing to see, um, to see how some folks are treated. Um, and, and, you know, in the music scene, like you said, it is a male fronted industry and, uh, there are lots of those industries, believe it or not. Right, <laughs> and right. it, it still blows my mind that, that we're probably still having this ongoing debate about stuff like that, which I don't think should be. I, I, I think that there should be a lot more equality and there isn't, um, right. It's it's a bummer. It's uh, I feel like some of those. It's the, it goes back to those wagon wheels for me. You know, yeah. those wagon wheel ruts. Like we're just taught to do these things, and and some people don't stop and question it. And they're like, wait a minute, why did I say that? Like, what? Why did that come out of my mouth? That's an automatic reaction. That's really terrible. Like, and that's mm-hmm. actually marginalizing some folks. That's maybe something I shouldn't ever say again. Right. And so, mm-hmm. are there, I guess, aspects of masculinities that you notice? within your own maybe music community in Fort Collins? Like- Absolutely. I, I, I find that there are, you know, I, I think it's interesting the different venues that we have because I notice like certain people like to hang out in certain venues and, and it's really cool. And I, I, I guess I like to 
maybe look at myself as one of the people that I like to kind of go and dabble in all of them. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was always kind of that kid when I was younger anyway. I was like, ah, I don't want one friend. I want all of you. <laughs> and maybe that's why I like to play on stage. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, like you walk into Surfside on a, on a Thursday night and see a punk band playing in there and there's maybe, you know, seven women in there and uh it's it's changing and that's really cool and i'm always stoked to see uh like i I remember us sitting at a a stool in surfside one time and uh this this gentleman next to me uh gentleman actually turned around to me and he goes i need to i need to know why there aren't that many uh women in here tonight and I, I hadn't noticed until he said that. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, well, I could barely hear you. It's really loud. And then I was like, why did I say that? Hmm. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's been ingrained in me that maybe, uh, you know, that is something that a woman wouldn't enjoy. And then I was like, I, I actually actively thought about it. And I was like, I should never say something like that ever again. Um, and it, it, it's just for me, it's interesting to see conditioning. You know, right. lots of this has been conditioned for generations. And this this could be a real deep debate that we end yeah, up having. Yeah. This, this could go on for a real long time. But it's interesting. I find myself like my parents were always very accepting people. My whole family, even my grand, my grandparents, my grandparents were super, super rad people. Um, they grew up in New York and, and they were just accepting of everyone. But I noticed like even with just the influences in my life, I still sometimes catch myself saying things that I'm not proud of and things that I'm like, that was wrong to say or, you know, questionable. Right. And I think that's really important to really understand, though, because I feel like you have some emotional intelligence with that, too. Like that's probably a higher level emotion intelligence than you probably would give yourself because you go, oh, no, I yeah. shouldn't have said that, but hey, I know now that it's, it's like wrong. word diarrhea. <laughs> Sometimes you're just right. like, ah. And so, like, as men, we are socialized to be kind of like, oh, I could say whatever I want. Nothing's going to happen, right? Um, well, that's not always the case. You could be really harming someone, mm-hmm. or you could be ignoring the other impacts that you have in other people's lives, um, which is, I think, it's a good growing process. And yeah. I think it's very a very active growing process. And no one's going to be good at, like, perfect at it. I think you can be kind of good at it. But I don't think, like, I'm never not going to, like, go, oh, I'm going to say something problematic right now. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to know? You know? (laughs) We have, like, this little dial that says it's, like, (laughs) dipping into the red as soon as we're about to say something. That'd be nice. Yeah, or you're, like, about to get there. You're, like... Let me, oh, you know what? Never mind. Um, (laughs) It's a good day today, huh? But, yeah, I think that'll kind of wrap up this segment. Um, Thank you so much, Simply Ty, for providing food today for Dinner with Bands. Um, We really appreciate it. Brought to you by KCSUFM.com and 90.5 KCSU of this episode. Uh, Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on, man. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. It was a privilege to have you here. My whole band appreciates it, too. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Autumn Byrne.